0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast with Mike and Mike. Howdy, sir. How are you?
2: Howdy.
1: You ready for some high culture?
2: High culture, yeah. A little bit of uh, English melodrama.
1: Exactly. Coming to you from the small screen to the big screen to the podcast room, it's talking all about Dalton Abbey, the movie. Or should it be the motion picture? If you want to talk about,
2: I think they just call it Dalton Abbey. Okay. Well. <laughs> I don't think that it's not like, you know, it's not like Star Trek, the motion picture. It's like.
1: Oh, you know, it, it's Star a time- Trek is
2: another a show that, you know, went from the tiny tube to the big screen and uh, with some mixed success. So well,
1: exactly. You know, at least this didn't have V'ger in it because that would have been
2: interesting. Yes. yes. Uh, Downton Abbey meets V'ger would have been a totally different movie.
1: Oh, that would have definitely blown a couple people's minds out <laughs> to watch the, the house take off into the atmosphere and go up against this giant cloud in space. That could have been interesting. Kirk unit. Kirk unit. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. We're getting off track. But hi, everybody. It's going to be one of those episodes. I could tell it already.
2: Well, it's, it's you know, we're crazy because, like, you know, I mean, I know that, you know, we've taken kind of some of the, the numbering off of our, our shows so that people might not be aware that this is episode 491.
1: We've done this for quite some time, folks.
2: We are now like less than 10 episodes away from 500.
1: It's a milestone as, as we like to tell people when we do our podcasting, you know, seminars and our classes and such, you know, we don't, you know, most podcasts never make it past the 10th episode us we're too stubborn to stop, yeah. and we're you know we're coming up on five hundred folks.
2: <laughs> there are so many people out there, including us, that cannot believe that we made it past ten episodes
1: no i am i I was listening to episode eleven of the podcast the other day, and my God did i can't believe we made it out of the twenties that's true. <laughs>
2: It's uh, it's crazy. It's been a, a strange trip, and uh, yeah, I think in the next few episodes you might see us reminisce a little bit about the past nine or plus years. So forgive us if we get a little bit nostalgic. We'll get um, misty on you, <laughs> but uh, and believe me, you know we are going to make sure that uh, that uh, with uh, episode five hundred comes, we definitely will make a mark. So stay tuned for more information on that.
1: Oh yeah, we got some lot of stuff planned for it. Some really cool stuff that we have never done before. So this should be really interesting to see how it goes. It should be a lot of fun. You know, we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Though, please write us at Earth Station One at network dot com. What would you guys like to see for episode five hundred? I think Earth that'd be One cool.
2: presents Dancing with the Podcasters.
1: Oh God, that just scares the hell out of me. I think I just vomited my lunch into my throat there. Oh, oh, wow! You know, I am the two left footed Faber, so it's okay. It was it. It would be interesting, definitely. But you know, <laughs> wow, we had to go there and everything. So and-
2: tell us, people. Do you want us to dance? Do you want us not to dance? Like you got to tell us what we what you want and what you don't want. Because uh, yeah, don't just tell us what you
1: want. Tell us what you don't want. Tell us what you want. Tell us what you really, really want.
2: <laughs> and what you really, really don't.
1: Exactly. So, you know, we could do, you know, episode 500 ESO karaoke.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, we could. That might be slightly less embarrassing or more embarrassing than dancing.
1: Yeah, exactly. It depends, you know, your take on it. and everything. Depends
2: on how much pie we have.
1: Well, if there's pie in it. <laughs> I could do it all night. It would be great. (laughs) I'll have to tell you one time about when I became the karaoke king of Ocean City, Maryland. (laughs) That's for a lot of pie. I'll tell you that one. Just, you know, it was a lot of fun. And just say, you know, good old Rocky Top, Rocky Top, Tennessee. Wow. Yeah, but we're not going to go there. Because, you know, we don't want to scare anyone else away. So let's get started with the show this week. Uh, I got a great topic for you, Mike. Uh, Speaking of anniversaries and such, you know, we're Mm -hmm. we're working up our way up to 500. This past Saturday night, do you know it was the 80th anniversary of Batman?
2: Yes, it was Batman Day. Exactly. Uh, This year has all been about celebrating the uh, 80th year of the
1: Dark Knight. Exactly. So I thought it'd be kind of fun. You know, we've done Batman episodes in the past. Oh, yeah. And we've done a few different ones. Uh, but I thought it would be kind of fun, just you and I just chatting back and forth. You know, what Batman... How? When did you discover him in your life? And, you know, different eras of Batman and stuff. Because I know Bat, you're you're a huge Batman fan, as it is.
2: Batman's my guy. Uh, yeah. Batman and Spider-Man are my two uh, guys. And I have to say that I probably... I don't know if this is true for you, but I probably discovered them through television first, before comics. Um, It was an easy one-two punch, because comics were much more available then. But between having the 60 series in syndication, and um, the animated series, especially not like, you know, the later animated series, but we're talking about the early Batman animated series, as well as Super Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably saw Batman on television first. I know I fell in love with the 60s show in syndication. Just love the colors, love the um, action, loved Batman and Robin, uh the villains, just ate that stuff up. And I don't remember... I don't remember my first episode. I don't remember my first Batman comic. Uh, to me, it's he's always been there, man.
1: Well, of course. It's the same way with me because you know, I grew up with the Batman cartoons that they used to have because they used to have uh, Batman and Robin. They used to have Aquaman, Superman, and then every once in a while they would put in. Uh, the Flash or Green Lantern or a couple of other DC heroes. And it was always great to see. And then Super Friends with Wendy and Marvin. It was just, you know, that was how I discovered uh, Batman. But then also picking my uh, parents or grandmother used to, when she got me comics, every once in a while pick up an, episode, an issue of Brave and the Bold or Detective Comics or something like that. So it was kind of interesting to see.
2: I have plenty of early issues of Batman and Detective Comics and Batman Family. Oh yeah! Um, but I think my my favorite title was Brave and the Bold. Um, I loved Brave and the Bold. I loved the idea of of Batman um, and being in it, of course, and then having a guest hero, um, just being introduced to a new DC hero every month or whenever it came out like back then i had no idea just they just were all there right um so like um and i used to pick it we used to pick up comics at yard sales and you just pick up comic you picked them up they had the three packs in the department stores and you just picked up comics wherever you could and Mm -hmm. you had no idea like what was new and what wasn't it just was this like hodgepodge of stuff and and uh as much as Neil Adams gets a lot of praise and credit and like rightly so for really making an impact on the Batman character in the comics. My Batman is, is done by Jim apparel.
1: Oh yeah, of course. Especially if you were a total, like you said, total brave and the bold head. Oh you know? yeah. Aparo did so many issues and you know, it's like, I always expected um, for me, it was, Batman, Brave and the Bold, but it was also Justice League and Batman and Superman together. And then you know the era I grew up in also had the Super Sons. I don't know if you ever remembered those from World's Finest.
2: No, I don't. I don't really recall them per se. I do remember World's Finest, but uh, um, I don't remember like any of the Super Sons. But I do remember there was a lot of like you know legacy and uh, characters introduced, and they would. You know, before they really had a multiverse defined as a multiverse, they just had, like, they were just doing crazy stuff. And they had, like, you know, uh, like like the Batman the Brave and the Bold was not doing anything like the Batman in Detective or the Batman in the Batman book. Like, they were all three separate books telling oh, yeah. three separate stories. And they didn't match up at all.
1: Well, I'm sure for you growing up, Batman was already the mature dark Knight detective again. He wasn't the goofy 1960s character, you know, by that point. No,
2: I mean, I'd seen some of those back issues, but yeah, I didn't. uh, Yeah, that was, I don't have even still to this day in my collection. I don't have very many of those in my uh, collection. My collection pretty much starts with uh, um, like uh, the early Neil Adams stuff. And then, uh, and then grows from there
1: oh sure no totally makes sense it's it's just interesting that you know for we're not that i'm not that much older than you we're fairly close in age but you know different how we read it differently because you know the different comics and stuff it was just it was interesting and you know i always loved you know, I always thought it was weird, like in Justice League, Superman and Batman were not in the same is- issues a lot of the times together. They traded them off, and but then, you know, but then you also had like, like you said, the Brave and the Bold. I remember when they did the Super Friends comic; I was real excited. And they had
2: uh, one that was Treasury Edition. You remember that the Treasury oh, yeah. Edition Super Friends?
1: Mm-hmm, of course. The Treasury
2: editions were amazing. The ones that they had, Uh, they had Batman have 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 a few, and then and then as as like by contrast, then you had these like little tiny digests, like the Secret Origin digests and Mm -hmm. the little tiny digests of of uh, pocket comics uh, that were you know reprints. Obviously, they were all reprints. We didn't know that at the time though, because we just had no you know there was no internet to tell you like when. Uh, these things were done, or, or how, what have you? It was just, you know, it was just like I said, everything was just coming at me at once. But what would you say? What, did you like best about either Batman or his cast of characters uh, around that time? Like, what what attracted to you? What wanted you to keep reading more about Batman?
1: Well, for me, it wasn't even the reading; it was watching the uh, Adam West TV show, and I loved how colorful his bad guys were. And, you know, they were funny in some ways. And they weren't scary in any, anything. But then there was the one episode of Batman that I have not ever seen the second part of. Because when I was a kid, it just scared the crap out of me. Is when Robin was getting eaten by the giant clam. I remember that. And it was just like, <gasps> as a kid. And for some reason, I was never able to see the second part of that. Episode, and I still haven't seen it. In all honesty, I don't know how he got out of it. The, really?
2: the, I can I can loan you the, deep, the my Blu-ray.
1: Okay, that it's okay. I, he makes I it might, out. Oh, I, I'm sure he does. He doesn't become clam chowder. It's okay.
2: <laughs> um, I for me, uh, I was always into the detective stuff, whether it was Encyclopedia Brown or uh reading like the earth like some uh Sherlock Holmes stuff back in the day or like I just loved reading those uh mysteries Ellery Queen mystery magazine sure. mystery stories uh the ones where like they would not tell you how the murder was done and you'd have to guess it and then flip to the end and see if you were right um that kind of thing and I just love that stuff and I think for me, Batman, as colorful as he is, as amazing, like as, as dark as he is, um, he was, for me, first and foremost, a detective. He was the smartest guy in the room. He was the guy that you went to if you needed to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, you know, um, I, I really was engaged by that Batman. Mm-hmm. The things changed dramatically in the eighties, but, um, uh, well, a lot of I, times
1: Batman became a jerk from, you know, in a lot of ways. Well, he yeah, he, yeah. brooding. Did. Yeah.
2: I mean, and I think, I think we have Frank Miller to thank for a lot of that.
1: Oh yeah, I could see that, but they were, they were headed towards that, but he still wasn't, you know, the, you know, always brooding. He, he was, there was, there were lighter moments, especially as Bruce Wayne and such. So That's it was, it, it was interesting to see.
2: I mean, I have the issue where it's the last brave and the bold because he's like, I don't want to team up with anybody. I have the issue where he there was like a one year where he he, you know, he broke off from the Justice League. He the uh, World's Finest uh, was was canceled because he didn't want to work with Superman anymore. Uh, Batman and the Outsiders. He left that because that just became the Outsiders. Like he was really becoming more and more isolated.
1: Yeah, very much so. They were making him the loner type character. And because they canceled Brave and the Bold to start Outsiders. And that's when they had him quit the Justice League to be with the new team, his own team. Exactly.
2: But then he canceled, and then he quit that team.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so, but that's also when they got into the deluxe versions. And, you know, they had the newsprint version and then the deluxe versions because Outsiders was very popular at that time. Mm-hmm. and so it was cool and, and then, then he joined was also, uh
2: then he joined justice league international
1: for a little bit yeah
2: yeah, yeah. so cool. i mean he was he was like any time a book needed a bump they would put batman in it
1: oh exactly and that's also when they brought in like you know the the ha ha justice league and he took out guy gardner with one punch one punch exactly And I loved it, and you know, Black Canary just kept on laughing and going, "One punch, one punch," and the other, and a couple of the other Justice League, and I missed it. I missed it. It was, it, it was just classic. And where there was, you know, they tried to lighten Batman up a little bit in that series, but they just couldn't. And that also was the whole time with the whole thing with uh, Tim Drake and, you know, the Rob, you know, the Robin that wasn't popular and, you know, they killed him off and, you know, it was just the
2: Jason the Todd, Todd would go. Stuff. Yeah. The whole, like, you know, that would lead into the, the voting to his down da- his death, which uh, you know, is, is history now, but back then it was a big thing. And, you know, I mean, and, and right there, Jim apparel was all part of that. I mean, he was doing the artwork on that and, Man, it's just like, whenever I think of Batman, he's he's the one I think of. It's his art style. And I've seen a lot of great... That's not to diminish anybody who's who's done art on a Bat book, because there's been some amazing artists over the years. And Batman, Batman and Detective Comics are still two books that I get every month. Like really? No matter, or every two weeks now they come out. So... Uh, I am, uh, now, uh, both of them are kind of, I've, I've, I've stacked them, backstacked them a little bit because, um, yeah, I haven't been able to catch up. So I'm a few issues behind, but, um, since, you know, back in the 80s, 70s, whatever, from that day to now, I, there are not very many holes in my collection. There are, there are a few because, you know, college years.
1: <laughs> Details.
2: <laughs> exactly. But, you know, pretty much uh, I would, you know, over the years, if it had Batman in it, it you know, I got it. So my my I would say probably a good twenty five to uh maybe even thirty percent of my all my comics is is Batman centric.
1: Oh, I could totally understand that. Probably say about maybe twenty five percent of mine have Batman something to do with Batman and either justice League Cause I had a full run of the original series of justice league from like number 15 all the way to the end. And, you know, I also had tons of brave in the bold and, you know, stuff, stuff like that. And it's, it was just awesome and everything. Hell Batman even appeared in Neil game and Sandman at one point.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was pretty awesome to see.
2: he's uh you know i mean superman is the iconic like dc hero right i mean he's superman is superman and i don't you know i've gone through phases where i didn't really care about superman um i've gone through phases where i've loved what they were doing with superman so you know i don't have anything against superman or any other dc hero for that matter right but but man batman's my guy and you know uh most of the time i think they've done him well uh some of the storylines of course are better than others uh there's some classic ones in there um and uh i just think that you know when i look at when i especially when i compare him to spider-man like spider-man is another hero that i got amazing spider-man and whatever his other book was of of his you know whether it was spider-man a web of spider-man or peter parker spectacular spider-man whatever Um, I would get those through the course of, you know, my life as well. And so, but to be honest with you, Spider-Man had some terrible runs that I suffered through. Um and even even Batman at at his lowest run was never as bad as some of those Spider Man
1: runs. <laughs> well, come on. Everyone needs a clone saga in their life every once in a while. No,
2: on. no, they don't. No, they don't. And Spider Man's had multiple clone sagas. That's the only thing that just that's like a, a scab they just won't like let go. Um uh won't leave alone. It's just it's awful. But anyway, not to not to diminish that. That's a different thing. But uh, I have enjoyed. I can safely say that I've enjoyed at least forty some years of Batman. <laughs> so about wow. half of about half of the time that he's been in print, I have enjoyed uh, those. And and I don't have you know I have no aspirations that I'll ever have every issue. Some of them are phew, way more than I can afford. Um, but uh, I have a lot of the reprints. Um, I don't, you know, I'd have to really sit down and think if I, uh, to, to do the math and see if I've got every issue from the beginning to the end in, in some form. Uh, but I, I probably, if I don't, I have, I have very few holes.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's not bad though. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, collect a little bit here, a little here and such. And truthfully, I think Batman is stronger now than he's ever been. In some ways,
2: well, the 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 two series that they've got going on, uh, well, they've had two great writers on Batman over the last, I'd say, five years or so. Uh, Scott Snyder being one, who I thought did some amazing stuff uh, recently with Batman, and is still working on Batman uh, to an extent. I think he's got his own bat book that, if it's not out already, it's coming out very soon. And then, then um, uh, and then, uh, Tom King has been writing the Batman book and uh, he's been doing an exceptional job for that. So good stuff. And I should point out too, that recently I, I made the, I made the decision. (laughs) I, I'd made the plunge. I dipped. uh, Yeah. I went into the plunge and uh, got the DC universe app. Really? So a lot of those cartoons that you were talking about, are all available on the DCU app
1: uh, Oh yeah
2: so if you want to see those early Aquaman Batman flash Green Lantern Super Friends stuff they're all there like there's all there's there's a ton of material there and uh, they also have the newer stuff uh, I spent Batman Day Saturday night watching uh, the first thing I watched on the Batman on the DC Universe app was uh, which is hooked up to my TV so I can watch it on my TV um, uh, the first thing I watched was uh, the new um, uh, version of new feature of hush
1: really yep
2: so and that just came out a little while ago so that's you know all the all the DC animated movies that they've made over the years uh, most of those are available and and also if you're a big fan of uh, Batman the animated series and who isn't uh, as well as Batman beyond all of those are there too
1: Exactly, and that's the way it should be. It's awesome, and now you have a new version of Bruce Wayne on Titans, on top yes, of it. Yes,
2: which I haven't. I haven't started watching Titans or any of that yet, or Doom Patrol or anything. Uh, but I'll get there, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, Batman is everywhere, man.
1: He is everywhere. Batman is even in your cereal, because you, <laughs> it's true. There it's is true. Batman cereal. So. And there's Batman underoos. So it's even he's underneath. Her. Is there
2: still Batman cereal? There was. I remember when the movie came out, but I don't know if they still make it.
1: I'm sure somewhere in the world you could find Batman cereal. I'm
2: oh, sure you can.
1: I can go <laughs> on eBay right I, now. I don't, I, find... I don't recommend
2: you eat those, though. The, 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 there's probably the expiration date is probably well past its,
1: its date. <laughs> it's cereal. How bad could it get? Oh, well, let oh. Let <laughs> yeah, okay. Like,
2: it was never good to begin with.
1: good point good point before we get keep on rolling and everything we just wanted to wish everyone a very happy batman day it was really great to see how much love he was getting and it was awesome they for superman's 75th anniversary dc had done a great animation for him for this year they did a great animation for Batman's 80th showing what he looked like year by year and how he changed and evolved. And just, it was just screenshots of, you know, the, how he different artists drew him that year. And it was great, great to see. Yeah. My
2: favorite, I mean, you can say what you want about, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a corporate holiday, whatever. Um, and it's contrived this this Batman day, but you know what, um, even if you don't like buy anything or, you know, do anything crazy, the the thing that's awesome, my favorite thing about Batman Day is that all like uh, artists around the world, like post their Batman pictures. And so you have these beautiful uh, illustrations of Batman in various forms from Mark Brooks to Mike Mignola to um, uh, Art Adams to, uh, Frank Francesco Francavilla to our, our good friend uh, Robert Jimenez like everybody is putting Batman stuff out there and it's just awesome like it's just like like he is one of my favorite characters to see because there's so many different incarnations of him, and they all work in my opinion they all work
1: of course they do because it's each one has their own interpretation of what the bat looks like yep. which is really awesome we'd love to hear from you guys at home though please write us at earthstation1 at com. let us know how batman's affected your life do you have batman tattoos do you have your room look like the bat cave you know we definitely would love to hear from you and send us pictures too we definitely always love pictures let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment with the geek seat
2: Hey, Adam Thomas.
4: Yes, Thomas Mariani?
1: You know how there are podcasts about bad movies? Yeah. And also podcasts about good movies? Yeah. Well, what if a podcast could cover both? What? Listen to double Edge Double Bill, where a
4: random selected yin and yang of a double feature is picked and then picked apart. Now, who came up with this wacky idea? Adam, we did. That's our show.
1: I'm learning something new every
4: day.
2: Listen to us on the ESO Network and wherever podcasts are available
1: hey everyone welcome back to earth station one now it is the geek seat segment and we are here with our newest victim of the geek seat let's welcome andy hartley to the show welcome sir hello howdy welcome to the station thanks for having me guys
4: absolutely
2: absolutely uh for those people who may not be familiar with you tell us a little bit about yourself
4: uh as far as for what this is audience is concerned i'm some of you may know me. I'm on the staff of the Brit Track at DragonCon. Uh, I've been doing that for four years, five years, somewhere in that line. Um, I am mostly a, a uh, uh I guess that's it for this kind of stuff. In the in the real world, I do finance, which is not nearly as exciting. <laughs>
1: uh, but I,
4: I'm willing to talk about it if you'd like. Though I have to charge
1: a fee Well, you I, know I, there I, are finance I, geeks I, out there, so it's okay. Oh, there. Are,
4: I, sure. Sadly enough, I am not a finance geek. That's just what I do.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I believe there are many British jokes about chartered accountants. So. Oh God, yes. <laughs> um. Well, tell us. Do you are you do you consider yourself an anglophile? Is there is?
4: Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, my my child is named Elizabeth, halfway after Elizabeth Tudor and halfway after Elizabeth Bennett so, okay uh,
2: yeah that's yeah. solid man
4: that yeah, yeah. You, we, we've you been fighting passed. for years my wife and i finally got a jane austen panel at brit track so we were pretty psyched about that gotcha
2: and now was this something that happened at an early age was there a a, a reason for it do you think i mean had you been there
4: not until college um okay. i just always my mom was a bit of an anglophile just sort of grew up that way um just over time, I've always been a, a giant history geek, gotcha. and uh, just wound up loving all things British.
2: The uh I I I'm with you uh, to an extent. I mean, m- for me personally, it's more more about the British pop culture than mm-hmm. it is uh, the you know history of it. I mean, obviously, I, I, I like a lot of the history, but it's more. The, I like the more romantic fictional history, like Robin Hood and, Ivan oh, Ho yeah. and stuff like that. And well, King Arthur great. and all that kind of stuff. But, and I, and I, and I cannot, you know, I've tried several times. I cannot keep the lineage of Kings and Queens straight to save my life. <laughs> uh, now, is that something that you could do? I mean, if you had to, could you name like everybody in succession?
4: Um, I can't go much further back than Canute, but yeah, from there on.
2: Wow. That's solid, man. That's uh, and, and and so what would you think? What would you say are some of your favorite uh, British culture things that you just love, like of literature or pop culture?
4: Oh, um, I love the Regency period, like the Austin stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm contractually oblig- obligated to say Doctor Who. Um,
2: <laughs> As aren't
1: uh... we all? <laughs> hey, every time it's mentioned, you get paid five bucks. Come on.
4: I need to tell care of that. Um, no, it just I have a hard time nailing down one. It really depends on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be some days where I'm really into British pop culture. There are other days when I'm just seriously geeking out on some random, like medieval minor nobleman. Um, I'm all over the map. For so me, it's, a-
2: it's that, that wonderful period of, uh, I guess it was like the late 18th century where you sort of have like, yeah. like you know, like Sherlock Holmes and Jack the Ripper and all this like HG Wells, all this stuff kind of coming out out of that period. It's a, it's just to me, like just a such a fertile period of creativity and imagination. And, and not oh, all absolutely. of it is pleasant. Not all of it's pleasant.
4: Well, no, but yeah, the empire at its height and you have just great, just a a cultural intellectual ferment going on. And it's, there's something for everybody in that period. It's, it's a lot of fun.
2: So, well, um, I mean, we'll talk about that now a little bit later, but obviously that's something that's why you're, uh, initially here on the podcast. So that's great. We're glad to have your perspective on the movie and more. Um, so, uh, Mike, I think he's ready for, uh, the hard questions
1: the hard questions come on here you were asking him some pretty tough ones there mr gordon
2: (laughs) but that's nothing i mean now he's strapped in
1: yeah i know he's secretly rewinding the duct tape and the the bungee cord and everything around his seat and he wasn't even realizing it you're just having a talk about anglophile stuff it's pretty awesome
2: well you know it's not quite the barber's chair and sweeney todd but it's pretty lethal
1: oh yeah exactly People have scars to this day and they, for people who did it nine years ago, you know, it's pretty amazing. So Andy, are you ready for your first question in the geek seat? Ready as I'm going to be. Okay. I don't know. He sounds too happy, Mike. What are these, what is, what is this with these happy people in the geek seat? You know, they
2: always start out that way.
1: I remember when they used to start crying as soon as they saw the duct tape, you know,
2: (laughs) It's a sign of the times, my friend.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're. I think we're just getting too old and too (laughs) mellow in our old age. Is what it is. Oh well. All right, Andy. What was your favorite geek out moment? So my favorite geek out moment. (laughs) This goes
4: back to the history geek. um, Was when I was asked politely asked to leave Westminster Abbey. um, Why? Because I had been. So I'm there visiting, um, right into a retired history teacher who was British and several times we would get on some topic and sort of cackle and the, the guards would shush us and we got to the tomb that Elizabeth I shares with bloody Mary. Oh, Um, cool. Which in case you don't know, Mary, who is Elizabeth's older half sister tried to have Elizabeth executed a lot. Um, And the two of them absolutely hated each other. And we just started cackling and I was escorted out of the building. Oh wow! Oh,
1: that is awesome.
4: Yeah, never got kicked out of a bar when I was backpacking through Europe, but I got kicked out of a church with a seventy-year-old woman.
1: So <laughs> wow!
4: No end of of hell over that.
1: What was your most disappointing geek out moment?
4: Uh so on a, this was on a, a another time when I'm in Europe. We're in Italy. My girlfriend and I get on the the train to Naples to go to Pompeii. Mm-hmm. We got on a local train. It stopped about every. Half kilometer or so, and we finally made it to Pompeii five minutes after the gates closed. Oh, uh, she cried the whole way back to Rome. It was not a happy day. Uh. Uh, but we, we we saw Pompeii. We we just couldn't go in Pompeii. Uh, so that was kind of disappointing.
1: No, totally understand that. Uh, but it's it's interesting that you ran into that. Um, did they ever find out why it took so long?
4: Oh, yeah. We just, when we had asked for the train, um, there was an express train and a, a local, which was basically for commuters and such. Right. And the porter guy sent us to the local, not the express.
1: Oh. And so it really
4: did. It stopped like every little village and like school kids would get on and ride it to school like a school bus.
1: Wow. And so
4: it took nine or 10 hours to instead of like 90 minutes
1: oh man yeah oh i am so so sorry (laughs) not to quote david Tennant or anything yes i am so so sorry (laughs) it happens it's been 20 years i'm over it but Uh, are you are you sure mostly
4: we're here to help
1: what geeks you out the most
4: weird historical survivals like i most of my friends have heard me geek out multiple times and the fact that a couple of years ago we actually found a sample of Cleopatra's handwriting. Whoa. It just blows my mind. It was in a trash heap in Egypt because nothing rots in Egypt because it's dry.
1: Right. Of but course. In fact,
4: we, we have like a list and she's annotated it. Um, we have yeah, the handwriting of someone who, you know, died in thirty BC is just freaky to me. Um, and any stuff like that, like just random little personal bits of history that have survived through some weird happenstance.
1: Um, oh, I'm sure totally geeked you out seeing that. Oh God, I yeah, I could totally see that. What turns your uh, geek off though?
4: When I start talking about that, and I see the eyes glaze over, okay. which um, <laughs> happens a lot. Uh,
1: <laughs> nope, you don't. I'll see. just start nope. talking, and people right. are like, okay. "Uh huh, yeah, okay." Um, mm-hmm. then
4: I just sort of trail off and get quiet and go sit in a corner.
1: I'll just sit over here and, you know, I'll look at my, uh, hieroglyphics. It's okay.
4: Exactly. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, again, that's why I get so excited when I meet someone who we do the, the high speed data transfer, Right. We find someone else who's like us,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, that I understand. Yeah. What fiction character would you like to meet the most?
4: I would love to meet Jack Aubrey. From the Patrick O'Brien's novel series, the the Aubrey Matron series. If you saw the Russell Crowe movie, uh, Master and Commander, it's the Mm -hmm. series that's based on. Oh, yeah. I've I've read all the books like eight times. It's a great, great series.
1: I so wish they would make the other books into movies. I
4: know. They really need to make HMS Surprise. I know. I could do a whole, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll stop myself.
1: Master and Commander was wonderful. It, It was one of my favorite Russell Crowe movies.
4: Yes. It, I know when Billy Boyd came to, to con a couple years ago, I made his day, that's what I asked him about.
1: Oh and really? Because he
4: was Barrett Bondon. And we well, talked about that for about fifteen minutes. There's no sure one behind me.
1: I'm sure he was happy that you weren't asking him all about the Hobbit. The Hobbit, <laughs> yes. That's
4: that's what my wife asked him about. But
1: I <laughs> What fictional character would you, let's look at the flip side of that then. What fictional character would you like to meet the least? Uh Freddie Krueger.
4: Oh, uh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's freaked me out as a kid. Uh, if you're going, not like you know, someone who's actually going to murder me, um, probably Sherlock Holmes because he's an asshole. <laughs> Am <laughs> I allowed to say that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure how how this was. I PG mean, we're PG
1: thirteen on the <laughs> show. Okay.
4: All right. So I'll try not to drop any f bombs.
1: But uh, you mean, I mean fun? you're going yeah. to
4: get a lot of Doyle
2: heads after you? But you like, know, other no, than Sherlock that, Sherlock is fine. interesting.
1: But I wouldn't want to meet him. But you, then, if you don't drop any f bombs, you can't say fun and fuzzy and friend. Oh. <laughs> what is your favorite
4: geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Um, fear is the mind killer. The whole litany against fear.
1: Really? Yeah.
4: Don't don't ask me to quote it all because I can never keep it straight, and certainly not on the on the spot. But I've always, sure. ever since I read that book for the first time, dear God knows when, um, I've always really liked that i'll sort of reference it here and there a lot in conversation
1: that's cool that is very cool i like that what is your ideal geek occupation
4: i will give the answer i gave my fourth grade teacher when they asked me what i wanted to be when i grow up and that is star destroyer captain
1: oh okay he wants to work for the empire okay yeah yeah if If angela was back
4: in the room she'd point out that i do test as a slytherin she loves pointing that out (laughs) um but yeah, they have snappy uniforms. Touche. Can't argue with that.
1: No, I'm not gonna argue that one at all. That is actually pretty awesome. What geek occupation would you not like to do though?
4: Hinchmen? Just the uh sort of the mooks in the background or like uh like Will Farrell and with Doctor Evil, like I'm really very badly burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah sort of stay out of the line of fire as much as possible
1: or the guys who always got beat up by batman and robin and everything yes yeah and i mean, don't want to
4: have anything to do with Kerblawi.
1: no okay hmm. i could see that definitely could see that our judo chop chop yes <laughs> okay all right chiropractor hey. bill uh, what is your you ready for your final question in the geek seat i'm ready what is your ultimate geek fantasy I would love to be
4: a companion of the twelfth Doctor. Uh, that's Peter Capaldi's Doctor. Okay, uh, he's my favorite Doctor, and just access to a TARDIS again, the history geek thing. Right, uh, that would just be awesome.
1: Well, he was always the one who asked all the history questions and yeah, and stuff like that. And you know, like so just suppose you know you heard a tune and it, you played it for Beethoven. That was just awesome with the uh, any da 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 da, you know. And it's yes. like so. Did Beethoven hear it first or write it first? First, yeah. That was just awesome and everything. I could see that. You just don't want to get on his bad side because you know. Well, no, because he's the grumpy doctor. But I kind
4: of like the grumpy old man doctor. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's a nice change of pace.
1: Very much so. That is awesome. So, twelfth Doctor companion. Is that your final answer?
4: That is my final answer.
1: Okay, Clara. All right. So. <laughs> So, since you're now the most important girl in the whole wide universe, you've made it through the geek seat, Andy. Congratulations. Yay. Huzzah! Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won
2: a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $68.04.
1: Yes! <laughs> that is awesome. That is cool.
2: But by the time you compare, like you know, convert that to pounds... And then, you know, it's station currency, so we know that that decreases very rapidly. By the closer you get to Earth, yeah, I'd spend it now.
1: <laughs> In a blink of an eye, it'll be gone just like go that.
2: Well, cool. Very cool. Um, is there any conventions that you're going to be at? Any events that
4: you want to promote? Uh, no. The only convention I really go to is Dragon Con, sadly. Awesome. Uh, so I, I don't have anything to promote. Well, that's cool.
2: Uh, Hey, Dragon Con 2020, right?
4: Exactly, yeah. Right around the corner.
2: It's it's not where we're we're starting already. You know, people are starting to get rooms. You know, it's it's never too early.
4: Oh, yeah, the Hunger Games have started. We're starting to (laughs) uh, work on panels. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, my wife and I, on the drive home from Con, we were talking about panels. So, yeah, it never stops.
1: That is awesome, though. You know, that's the great thing about DragonCon. It's a year-long event. It really
2: is. (laughs) Yes, it is.
1: That is awesome. Andy, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Thank you. Let's take a quick break. And Andy's not going anywhere because we're about to talk about Downton Abbey, the movie. We'll be back in a moment.
0: Hi everyone, Michelle with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment, and if you've heard, ever heard this segment at all, I think you know um, what we're going to be talking about today. Um, of course, last week we lost Rico Kasich, uh co-founder, co-frontman, and songwriter for the Cars um, at his Manhattan home at the age of 75, and you lose artists from time to time that, that means something to you, um, particularly when you get older, it happens more and more frequently and every now and then there's one that is a complete punch to the gut and i know for a lot of people and definitely for me this was one of those but getting past the um the numbness and the shock and the sadness of last weekend the overwhelming feeling i've had all week long since then is just one of gratitude gratitude that he had a vision and he stuck to that vision even though it took longer to make it um when when they finally did make it they made it pretty much on his and their own terms and as a result we're grateful that they left behind music that just makes us happy even now uh 40 years later and will may- be making people happy forever and ever um I'm grateful that he got to see his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction and grateful that I got to see it too. Um, I'm grateful that he found a a good family life in his later years and had time to spend with his kids. I'm grateful that he was active and doing what he was passionate about. His um, last year was uh, pretty much spent doing these uh, gallery um, showings of his artwork and all the photos from, from those showings. Um, He's relaxed, he is smiling, he looks happy, he's interacting with fans, and you could tell he was just really enjoying himself. And he was doing what he wanted to do right up until his last day. Um, And I'm grateful for all the wonderful, just amazing tributes and write-ups that have just flooded the internet in the past week. Obviously, I didn't know him. And they don't relate to me, but just reading all these tributes from so many people, you wouldn't guess, has um, just been really uplifting. Had no idea it would be like this. And so, in tribute, so long, Rick, and thanks for all the music. And we will try to keep on following your example, keep on laughing, and turning confusion into a virtue. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. Um, catch the, uh, my Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ballot predictions for this year at iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we'll talk to you again next time.
5: Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different.
1: No maid, no valet, no nanny, even. It's 1927. We're modern folk. Blimey. The King and Queen are coming to Downton. What? I want every surface to gleam and sparkle.
2: A royal luncheon, a parade, and a dinner. I'm going to have to sit down.
4: How's it all going? Mary's got it under control. Hardly. I need your help, Carson.
1: I'll be there in the morning, my lady. Don't you worry. Should we really go on with it? You mean leave Downton? Mm -hmm. Downton Abbey's the heart of this community and you're
3: keeping it beating.
2: Remember to pray for us.
3: I'll put in a word.
2: Your Majesties. Welcome to Downton Abbey.
6: Will you have enough cliches to get you through the visit? If not, I'll come to you. Here we go.
1: Welcome back. It's time to put on our dinner jackets and prepare for the Queen of England to arrive for dinner. Welcome to Downton Abbey, my friends. Take it away some, Mr. Michael Gordon. Well, we are coming back. To
2: Downton Abbey after three years, I believe. Four, because uh, I think it uh, ended in uh, what is it, twenty fifteen? Goodness gracious! Yep. Um, uh, so yeah, this is a uh, return, long-awaited return, and uh, we're here to talk all about it. Of course, Andy is, is still stuck in the geek seat.
1: You know how it is to get those duct tape off of.
2: Going to shave
4: my legs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh and we've got our 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 box office movie buzz person ashley is here with us
6: hello i am really excited um i always enjoy talking about movies with the eso crew and i think downton abbey might be my favorite tv show of all time so i am super wow. looking and, forward to talking about this
2: and this coming from someone who just recently finished binging game of thrones
6: I know, yeah, that that one is in my top three, but there's just something special about Downton Abbey, so I'm looking forward to kind of diving into that, and maybe the phenomenon as a whole, you know, why this show has meant so much to so many people.
2: So, uh, well, I want to get right into it, and that's one thing I want to, because, yes, Ashley, even though we've had you on many, many times to talk about movies and such, I don't think we've really ever uh, dived into uh certainly not this show from with you so so let's start with you what was your experience with the show and what were your expectations going into the movie
6: yeah so um i was trying to think back to how i discovered the show and i think a friend of mine had seen it on netflix and recommended it to me saying like hey this is something you might enjoy so i started watching the first couple episodes and then i think binging most of it on a day when I was homesick from work and just like absolutely fell in love with the show. I watch a lot of British period dramas. That's kind of one of my favorite things, but something about Downton just seemed like extra interesting and special to me. So I started watching it. And one of my favorite things to do Sunday nights on PBS, as I'm sure um, many fans have fond memories of that and thought that the show ended on a good note. But, um, was really excited when they announced a movie. I would not complain about more Downton. And, um, see, I was just looking forward to seeing all the characters again. I didn't really have a lot of expectations per se. I just wanted it to be kind of a fun movie that made me feel happy watching it. Like I felt when I watched the show and I had a very nice time. I thought it was nice, a nice return to Downton Abbey. Awesome.
3: Awesome.
4: Andy, what's, uh, what's uh, your experience with the show? Well, we used to, record uh, masterpiece theater. And so we saw a tr- like an ad for it. And so we, we watched it live when it first aired and just, we fell in love with it from the beginning. Um, my wife and I, and, and um, watched all, all the way through liked how it ended and I'll I'll be Frank. I was worried when they announced a movie, I thought, um, yeah, I still can't really remember any other example, any examples of a TV show that they turned into a movie and it went well. I, I didn't want them to to ruin something that had ended in, in a good way. So I was very nervous. Um, but uh, my fears were unfounded. I really, really, really enjoyed the movie.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I want yeah. to get into the details of it. Uh, uh, Mike, what about you?
1: Well, we've already in probably about three years ago, four years ago, we might have done, I think we've done an episode of ESO I, yeah, on down Abbey. At least one, right? Yeah. I think we might have done one or two. Cause we've done, you know, we were huge fans. Judy went into it expecting me fully to hate it. And, you know, oh, it's no spaceships or superheroes or stuff like that. And it's like, I like high culture too. I do watch Doctor Who. Come on, you know. <laughs> so it was always great, you know, to watch it. And I've watched in the past down upstairs downstairs and you know shows like that and so it wasn't that large of a stretch and i fell in love with the series right from the very beginning and loved the character mix loved how they flushed out the characters downstairs you know Bates and you know you know all the different characters and you know it was just awesome And you just learned to love characters. You learn to hate characters. And then you had the upstairs and they weren't all one dimensional, which was really awesome. These characters all the way across the board were characters you really cared for and wanted to see what happened next.
2: And uh, did you have some concerns about the movie? A little bit, you know,
1: I was like going, Oh, what if they Hollywood it? What if they, you know, try to make it something that you know is gonna be sensational like a blockbuster type thing and then i heard julian fellows was involved with writing it and bringing it to life on the big screen and i was not worried at all it truthfully it felt like it was a family reunion it was like coming home to another episode of downton abbey
2: yeah yeah definitely uh and and i think more so really um I, like you, I mean, you know, we've talked about Downton Abbey many times on the show. We've even had, a, a, like you said, at least one or two shows devoted to uh, the series. And uh, and yeah, I, like you, grew up with Upstairs, Downstairs on PBS. So I was used to that kind of um, device. Um, I love melodrama. Love it, love it, love it. Um, uh, I, you know, soaps. Um, I, I love soap operas. I love all that kind of stuff. And I like Julian Fellows a lot. Uh, I really liked, um, the movie Gosford Park, which if anybody hasn't seen that, uh, if they liked Downton Abbey, they really should see that because it's like almost like a prequel in some ways. It's like, it's like, uh, uh it's, it's really good. Um, so, um, I think the only concern – well, there are, I had two concerns going into the movie because uh, – and I want to ask this, the broader question of you guys specifically in a second. But, um, you know, the way the series ended, you know, everybody seemed to be in a happy place. And if it's going to start up again in any way, it's like, uh-oh, that means, that means some people are not going to be happy. So – and they only have a couple of hours to resolve it. Right. They've got a bunch of of characters to try to give everybody their 15 minutes or so. And that's a challenge. Can they do that in the span of a couple of hours and still and still really bring us something that's satisfying as far as story and a plot and not just feel like a cash grab. Right. So um, uh, I, I thought. They they did some incredible work with the movie and I like I said I want to get into the details of it but first I want to ask you guys do do you think that at the end of the series there was I mean were you wanting more was there more story to tell um, or did you feel like there there was an opening for more stories and that this was a welcome was a welcome uh, project uh, Ashley.
6: Yeah, so I thought that the ending was really good. I think that's one of the trickiest things with the TV series. If you've you've had people watching this show for years, how are you going to end it in a really satisfying way that will wrap up all these characters and make people feel like this has been worth an investment of their time? So I thought they did a great job ending the series, and they left me satisfied but wanting a little bit more, which I think is good, rather than some shows which go on for far too long, and you're like, why won't this end already? But I think they, they did leave a few loose threads that they could pick up on later. And I think they did a good job in um, this movie doing that. One of the things that I appreciated about the movie is that they didn't take a lot of time like reintroducing characters. Like they just kind of take for granted that the people who have seen this movie are big Downton fans. So they just kind of like drop you right in. So I appreciated that, that we didn't see like any regressions of character arcs like just going straight on from season six. So I enjoyed that to me. It really felt like this was just a couple of episodes of the TV series run together and watched on a big screen. So I think that's that format served them well.
2: It's an interesting point. I went with, I went, I, I went with Michelle to the movie and Michelle hadn't watched, I mean, she'd seen a couple of scenes here and there, uh, but she hadn't watched the show, but she, she likes uh, especially uh, British royalty. Um, uh, prob- um, dramas and everything, so she was attracted to see the movie, um, and so she went with me. And I asked her afterwards if she was lost, if there was, if, it's, if it held up on its own. And she said, "Yeah, for the most part." But as we talked, I mean, definitely, um, she could have used some sort of uh, guide as to who everybody was, because in the beginning, like you said, they just drop you into it. In fact, she was convinced in the first fifteen minutes that. Lady Mary and Tom Branson were married <laughs> um, and, and, and I can totally see that because it opens oh, yeah. with them oh, having yeah. breakfast. Um, and they're just, they, you know, and they let's, let's face it. They do kind of have this weird bond, right? Like it wouldn't have been a surprise to see them get involved at some point because it did, it did seem almost like they were leading up to that in the show a couple times. Uh, but, um, so that was, that was, yeah, you're right. They did kind of do that. But I think for the most part, they did a pretty good job at, uh, at, at juggling everyone. Um, Andy, what about you? What is some of the things that you liked about the the movie per se?
4: Oh, just like you saying, it felt like sort of the best Christmas episode ever. Um,
3: yes. The, yes.
4: It, yeah. Again, it wasn't so much the movie as just a long episode, which is what I, what I was really hoping they would do. Uh, like I said, they didn't waste a lot of time, you know, introducing the characters because we've only got about two hours. We got a lot to cover, um, but like I, I thought, the series ended well. But I could tell that Julian was getting kind of tired.
3: Mm, um, yes, like
4: the the it, the scripts weren't as sharp as they had been, and it really almost feels like he spent the entire time since the series ended working on the script for this movie because it's just. Sparkles. The dialogue is marvelous. Um, there's, I mean, almost every time the Dowager Countess opens her mouth, it's a line that would have been her big line for the season.
3: Yeah, um,
4: <laughs> they're just marvelous. I mean, we were crying, laughing, watching it. Um, yeah, they yeah, didn't yeah, do the
2: pause after she said anything because there were ton, There were many times where whoever talked after her, I, I didn't. Oh, I, we, yeah, we, we I, I, I'm gonna have to watch the because I have no idea.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah it was just. Again, it was uh, almost like the best two episodes of the entire run. Um, it sort of crystallized what they have been doing. And it paid off on expecting, like, okay, the audience has watched all of this before. They're familiar with these characters. We know what's going on. And just yeah, you know, spend those lap, two more hours with these characters, see what they've been up to, and just enjoy being with the family again.
2: I think uh, the most brilliant thing that they did, uh, because if this is, you know, if Downton Abbey's coming back, yeah, it's fine that they're coming back. If they're going to do sort of, uh, you know, back in the day, we used to have reunion movies like of Gilligan's Island and all that kind of stuff. Or how many
1: Right. How many Brady Bunch ones did we get?
2: Exactly. So <laughs> this is like a reunion movie. So it's like, okay, well, if they're going to come back and do something, what is a, an event big enough to not only justify them coming back and doing, you know, having a reunion movie, but also bringing them to the big screen. What is an event that's big enough? And coming up with the idea that the King and Queen are visiting was perfect. Um, From the opening uh, where we see the letter, you know, in transit, making its way to Downton Abbey, which I thought was um, like just a really fun way to start the movie. Till uh, the very end, I thought they did a, just a tremendous job at at making that, that is an event. And it felt like an event. Um, the, whole, the whole movie felt like an event because of the King and Queen's involvement. And I thought that was really, now, I've heard they have talking about doing other movies, and I'm like, wow, you've got your work cut out for you because now you're going to have to come up with something great every time in order to justify <laughs> it, right? <Yeah>. So Well,
1: <laughs> it's interesting, though, because I could see a couple different movies coming up in the future because they're right now in 1927, yes. and they're on the brink within two years of the Great Depression,
2: Yep, mm-hmm. and
1: a lot of families lost everything, and I it'd be great to see how they handle it. Well, Especially with Mary's going to happy... be in charge. So,
2: well, I don't think that would be a happy movie. Not as happy as this, anyway.
1: No, not at all. But there's there's some things that they could turn it into, and I could see really good things about this. And I really enjoyed this. Like we've been saying, this is a really like a two hour episode of our favorite show. And it was like great to see the characters and I'm glad they didn't do the reintroductions, just the brief little instances, you know, like, Oh, Tom, Oh, blah, blah, blah. You know? Oh, Branson. Oh, you know, you need to come back to the the house, you know, you know, and it's just like, it was just awesome to see, you know, it was great to see, you know, Mrs. Padmore. It was great to see Daisy. It was great to see all the different characters and it was just you didn't need to be re- re- reintroduced unless you were coming into new. And I'll fully admit it. The theater we went to go see it was only half full. So it was funny because people were talking back to the screen and everything first.
3: <laughs>
2: they felt like they were watching TV, right?
1: Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. E- exactly. Oh, anytime Maggie Smith said anything, people were like <laughs> clapping and you know, Aww, laughing the their ass off. And it was, it was just awesome. Uh, when Barrow got, you know, arrested, you know, with all the, at the gay club. And it was just like, and someone yelled out, oh, you're going down, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and the, it, was, uh, it was just awesome.
2: You know, it, it it strikes me now. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the theater attendance because, yeah, I mean, the theater that we were in was, was, was had a lot of uh, full seats, but it was a very small theater. So um uh you know i didn't know how well it was doing and since we don't have uh alex here to talk about the box office i did look it up and and of course to much everybody's surprised it won the week which was amazing because it had some competition it had rambo four um for one thing and it had um oh there was something else that came out right
1: the brad pitt Uh, movie
2: Yes, the yeah, Red Pit uh space movie, Astra, right? So which had gotten a lot of uh hype. So so yeah, it you know, where where's everybody who was used to seeing this on their T V gonna come out and and support it on the big screen? And the answer was yes. Yes they would. Um at least for the most part. I mean, it wasn't a huge box office weekend, it was thirty one million in the States and it had been open uh it had actually appeared uh I think premiered in in Britain, like a month ago, almost or like a few like quite a number of weeks ago and uh and in Europe as well, so we were kind of like the last ones to get it in some ways, even though that uh you know our p b s support was probably the one of the things that kept it alive all those years um, true but uh um so let's talk about like so the transition from and and i, I the the one thing I've heard from a lot of people is that yes, it is a it is an episode, and I think that's not a derogatory comment. I think that that strikes um, that that is an indication of how good the quality was of the series because a lot of the episodes were of film quality, like really great film quality, and. Uh, by also calling it, you know, another episode, I think, um, I think it was, yes, it was an episode, but it was like one of those special episodes that you got during sweeps or Christmas, right? Like, exactly. like this is like, yeah. cause, cause you know, when the King and Queen come, it's not just your average episode. Um, and, and I thought that, uh, like I said, I thought that that was a brilliant way to bring everybody in together, uh, certainly to get Carson involved again, and to get, uh, because let's face it, as the series ended and everybody was kind of in a good place. Um, everybody, like, um, I think the, one of the things that the series did, and, and you guys, I want to hear your comments on this, because when the series started, it was very much up upstairs, downstairs. You know, like you could see the division between the two and it really was striking at times. But as we got to know the characters, it became less about commentary on that and more about bringing all these characters together. So, in a lot of ways, they felt like a, more of a family than uh, than a, div- a like a division between upstairs and downstairs. And certainly, when the show ends, it's like that. But the movie, thanks to the introduction of the king and queen and their staff, you really see the upstairs, downstairs, and the class system. On display here about how not just the the servants, but even the people like in like the king and queen themselves are in are trapped in these locked positions that they that they can't get out of.
1: Very true. It's very rigid, very formal. And even you know they're used to having the same food no matter where they went. Right, they they got their they're touring
2: all these places, but they bring their own staff, so they're like eating like it's like they're eating at home everywhere where they go. Exactly, Um, and you know they can't just like when they're visiting they can't just go like hang out and like do whatever they want. No, they have to have a parade and take part in that and dress up and 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 you know and. Be around everybody who's just always like it's. It seems like it's. I mean, I'm sure they're used to it, and, and but because even the Queen says something like, "Yeah, we're used to people acting weird around us." After that wonderful Mosley, <laughs> oh, that god. Was oh so my fantastic. god! <laughs> oh,
1: that was one of the best scenes in the movie, <laughs> oh, like, hands Absolutely. down. Oh God, Mosley was made such an ass out of him. <laughs>
4: But no, I think you're right. the The Princess Mary character really sort of showed the the gilded cage situation that there is yeah in. that she's just utterly miserable, but can't escape without destroying something she loves. Right. Um, that, exactly.
1: She stayed for the kids.
4: Yeah. Well, she said she stayed for the crown. She tells her her parents at the end that yeah, you know, the scandal of her leaving her husband would do so much damage to the institution of the monarchy. And she doesn't want to be the one who does that. The, uh,
2: I also felt like, you know, the sort of like, I think the star of the movie, if you have to like point to a character is Tom, Tom Branson. I mean, dude, like save, like he, 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 and then gets the girl like, yes. like
4: yeah. <laughs> and gets the castle back in the family. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like,
2: I'm like, damn, Tom, like, You, you go. Know, I, I will say, I admit, I did think, I did think the assassination storyline was a little too. That's like, yeah. yeah, that was a little too much because, you know, for Andy's back me up on this on history buffs, you know, the King's not going to die here.
4: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it 1936? We're good.
2: Exactly. Um. So. So. Yeah. We're not. Um. And. And. It. It just seemed like. It just didn't seem very Downton Abbey-ish. It's like, oh, we got. We're bringing it on the big screen, so we better have like a action sequence. Like, <laughs> when it's funny when we were leaving the theater, there were these two older ladies. God, and I'm an older man now. But anyway, there's these two older ladies that were we were following outside, and like, but one said to the other, like, "It's so nice to go to a movie and not see all that gunplay." And and Michelle pointed out, like, "There's a gun in this movie." Yeah. <laughs> but oh, but uh, in Downton Abbey fashion, they like take the gun away, and it never you know yep. never gets fired. So yeah, um, so yeah, I did think that was a bit uh, a bit. It it didn't need to be there. I mean, Tom had enough to do without, like, saving the king's life like that.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, But I also, uh, well, I want to hear from you guys as as far as uh, great character moments, because we've already mentioned Mosley. We've mentioned Tom. Uh, Anybody else that you want to point out as far as having great uh, character moments in this movie?
1: I love Anna and Bates. They, you know, concocted the whole thing to get the staff back in, <laughs> away from the the crew from uh from the Buckingham Palace, and basically they, you know, figured out the way to get the the chef out and to concoct the whole thing that the the what was it the head butler of the back door or back steps or whatever he was yes. called uh, had to go back to London, and it was. It was brilliant. It was truly brilliant.
2: Well, let's face it. That was more Anna than it was. Like, Mr. Bates just kind of limped around the whole movie. Like, he didn't really do a lot.
4: Yeah, he didn't do a whole lot in the
2: movie. No, no. But that's all right. But Anna was great. And during during the course of the series, they did a lot. They had a lot of drama.
4: (laughs) (laughs)
6: They've had more than their share of problems.
4: (laughs) Exactly. They could just take a breather during the movie. Yeah. If anyone deserves uh, a
6: happy ending, it's them.
4: Yeah, the one hope going into the movie is, oh for the love of God, don't let either of them get arrested.
1: Yes. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. It was like, Oh please, not again. Not
2: <laughs> yes. If the king did get shot, somehow Bates would be yes. respo- like be arrested for it. You know? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, I was like going man the guy looked a little bit too much like Bates you know yeah.
2: <laughs> so so not only does Anna like you know uh like uh, arrange this this whole thing with so that the Downton crew can have their moment with uh so so basically that uh, Mosley can embarrass everybody um yes. uh but you know she actually catches like a thief and, and saves um is it Edith's dress yeah right yes. Edith's dress. Yes. yeah 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 Edith yeah So, I mean, yeah, she does double duty there. She does a pretty good job. So, good call, Mike. Uh, Andy, what about you?
4: Uh, Carson, I just sort of giggled to myself every time he was on scene. He was so happy when Mary came to him, and he's trying to restrain himself. And I get to go back. I get to go back.
1: Uh, Just – it was interesting, though, with Carson, the whole thing at the end of the series, he yeah. had to retire because he had too much of the shakes, and he was ill, and yeah. they didn't touch on that at all, at all. In, in this movie.
2: No, you're right. And I do know, I, I remember, of course, you know, Carson and, um, uh, what is her name? They got married, right? Mrs. Hughes. Mrs. Hughes. Mrs. Hughes. Right? Got married. LC. But I don't recall them like she's calling him charlie in the movie and i'm going mm-hmm. who's charlie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, i don't remember that in the show at all i don't think yeah, that was a new thing for the it. movie
4: <laughs> no it was mentioned there was a plot line at one point where he had been a vaudeville performer <laughs> oh and his right old partner showed up and and, that, and this is about charlie and they're all like charlie <laughs> and he's just like shut up shut up shut up <laughs> um but yeah, I I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it until she mentioned it. It was like, oh yeah, it's his name.
2: Yeah, she kept going to Charlie and I was like, oh, that's cute. But I, that doesn't fit his character to me at all. Um, oh. Here's the other thing about that too. And it's kind of, a, it's kind of the, the machinations of the script. It's like they wanted to have obviously the, those scenes with Thomas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those really intense, impactful scenes. But they had to figure out a way to get Thomas out of the castle, right? So even though Thomas as a character has been, has grown leaps and bounds, probably more than anybody else on the show, character wise, right? Cause he's an absolute like. Jack hole like when that show starts oh for the first um, three seasons yeah.
1: Yeah. all the way through you know once o'brien left he was the head jackal you know
2: yeah <laughs> that was another thing that michelle didn't get from the the movie because she's just like oh he kind of got the shaft and i'm like yeah but that yeah. dude's got history <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, yes, nobody in the
2: nobody mad. in the audience is feeling sorry for no. thomas uh at all um so when he slams that door, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, Thomas, whatever. Um, uh, but, but then, the, but they know, did pay did...
1: attention to the detail because he still had his glove on from where he got shot in World War I. Oh,
2: that's
6: right, yeah. back in season two,
1: exactly. Yeah.
2: And yeah. Uh, and you know, of course, the moments, the the scene where you know it does take a bit of a turn, and and you know, he gets arrested in in uh, in that I don't know, it's not you know, speakeasy, but that underground you know, gay establishment. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's who that's one of those scenes. It's like, even even though it takes place almost 100 years ago, it it feels like we haven't progressed that much.
1: Nope.
2: You know, I think at one point, you know, he's like, do you ever think it's going to be any different for us? You know, and he's like, well, we, you know. We, you know, we, we learned how to fly. So that's one thing. And I'm like, here it is. Like, yeah, I mean, this takes place in 1927, which is about what? 90 some years from now. Right. Almost 80,
1: 88 years ago.
2: Wow. So, I mean, it's like, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Like, you know, that scene, you know, I'm not saying it could have been done now, but it's like, some of that stuff is, a lot of that stuff is still going on.
1: Oh yeah. Very much so. so.
2: Very, uh, pertinent, uh, I think. Um, so, uh, Ashley, what about you? Is there a character that, uh, we haven't mentioned yet that you want to call attention to?
6: Oh gosh. Well, you guys have hit on a lot of the highlights. Um, I, I particularly enjoyed the servants mutiny. I thought, you know what, they have earned the right to serve the King and Queen. So I really enjoyed seeing them put that plan into action. Um, I really enjoyed um, seeing Mary and Tom's story arcs, just thinking about how much those characters have grown since the first couple seasons. Mary started out not not necessarily as a villain, I would say, but definitely, you know, she didn't always treat people the nicest. But just to see to see her, how much she's grown, and then to really become a leader and be respected for that has been so cool to see. And I loved that final scene between her and her grandmother where grandmother said, you know, Downton is in good hands because I'm entrusting it to you. So that was really special to see. And it was also neat to see how Tom has really just become a member of the families when their original relationship had been so strained, but it's just cool to see him, get to be more part of the family and them understanding each other. So just lots of great little lovely character moments. Um, I love Violet and Isabel's friendship. Um, Always just fun to see them picking at each other and, but still supporting each other. And just so many, so many nice little moments. This is a movie I definitely want to go back and see again, just so I can maybe appreciate some of those little things that I may have missed the first time.
2: Absolutely. Like, I mean, that's the, that's the problem when the Dowager like, you know, speaks um you know that's that's kind of funny and then you miss what um uh Crawley says and then the vice versa it's just yeah. like yeah it's just like oh i got to i got to be able to watch this a couple times more times so i can hear everybody's dialogue cuz i'm sure it's just as witty right but we just oh, miss it.
1: I did love the scenes though when isabel actually surmised that you know that lucy yes. was maud's daughter that was awesome and nobody you know that took me it was like oh i knew that you know she had feelings for the kid and everything but i didn't know that it was the daughter and it was awesome that isabel was the one who figured it out mhm and everything that's, well
2: that's a that's a that's a great segue because i was just about to ask what do we think of the new blood that comes into the movie so we've got uh maud and lucy uh as additions to the the uh grantham family What, uh, because they're, they come out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Like all of a sudden it's like, oh, you, you know, you've got a cousin. Oh, okay. All right. So, okay. Let's just, you know, this is the side of the family, but you know, it's, it's, uh, English Royals. I mean, what they've got like tons of family that they never see and all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, actually the, the premise, the initial premise of the first season is, is because it's, um, uh, a long lost relative right, uh, mm-hmm. comes to bear on Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. And so they have to deal with that. And so, and so, yes, we've got more long-lost relatives uh, coming into play. Uh, what do we think?
1: I think it's awesome. And I love the budding romance that they started in this. And it was literally love at first sight for those two and everything. I thought the characters melded well together. The chemistry was very apparent on screen. Very. And that was just awesome. And it was nice to see him happy, you know, not like, you know, always like the wisecracking, you know, Hey, you know, Ireland forever, you know, that type of (laughs) stuff. (laughs) So, but it was, it was great to see Tom, you know, get his, his due. And I did love, you know, what they've done with his character in this. And, you know, It was just so well done all the way around. And the new blood they had come in was good. It needed to be a little bit refreshed. Because you also, if you remember, they tried bringing in a couple new characters in the last, in the final couple seasons. Seasons. And everything. What was it, Lucy? Mm hmm and everything that they brought in the cousin um
2: uh, not lucy um, rose. uh rose rose yeah yes. yes
1: yes and she yeah, wasn't yeah. even brought up at all in this thing <laughs> and it, I haven't mentioned
2: I don't even think I don't even think she was she wasn't she wasn't in the last season was she yeah yeah oh was she okay i yeah, can not remember if she made it to the end or not
1: She came close to the end. She's
2: a big movie star now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Once she was in Baby Driver, that's it, dude. You know.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Um, Ashley? Yeah, I thought they did
6: a good job working in the new characters to the story. And I thought, you know, they did a good job explaining how, you know, why they needed some new people to come in. And um, I did like uh, Tom and oh gosh i 've forgotten her name again already um, Lucy Lucy, Thank you, but yeah, I really like them. Thomas had several love interests off and on throughout the series, but none of them quite felt right. So I really liked this fit that she could that they could kind of understand each other and maybe society had looked down on them in different ways, um him because of his background and her because um, people saw her as a servant, so I really liked their interactions and the scene of them dancing like out in the balcony at the end was just adorable. Oh, so like my, my heart just melted. So just, just some nice moments. And I enjoyed um, Lucy's mother. I thought was a really interesting character and I love how uh, Violet was understanding once she finally learned the truth. And it was great to see the King and Queen and just, just um, lots some fun new characters. I thought they did a good job weaving them into the story.
2: Yeah, they um you know, they might not be able to get the whole action assassination plot line right, but but you know, as far as the dramatic scenes, as far as the melodrama, as far as like the the moments that touch you between you know, uh the dowager and Lady Mary or um you know, the romance, like there there's just no one that can do it better. I mean, okay. it's just and the setting with the with the costumes and the hair and the the background, like the sets and everything, it's just perfect. I mean, it's really like a story, a storybook come to life. It, very true. That's exactly
4: what it is.
1: What do um, you guys think of the scene between Violet and Mary at the end? Just curious.
4: And it goes quiet. Well, on a, a meta level, I think that may have been... Um, Maggie Smith's price to participate. Cause she'd been begging them to kill the dowager for years. Cause she wants to retire. Oh, yeah. Of course. Um,
2: yeah. It, it kind of is a scene that has a double meaning, right? Yeah. Because it's a yeah. character saying goodbye, but it's also an actress saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. somebody that we have history on both fronts with, and it's hard not to be moved. Uh, she's oh. such a, she's just an amazing presence that, uh, you know, it, it, Draws to life. Not only do you feel for the character and what Mary's feeling, but it's just like, oh yeah. But at some point, we're not going to have Maggie Smith anymore. Yeah.
6: Right. Yeah. Very, very emotional on both levels.
1: It was. Yes. Cause it was interesting because we, as a group, had been talking that probably the final episode would have been her death or something.
2: Right. You know. I something. think a lot of people were feeling a lot that.
1: of people felt like that. the
2: ending would be at a funeral.
1: <laughs> you know, like it, exactly, and you know. It's kind of like it would have been a good wrap up for the series, but then for her to survive and I don't I don't want to see her in any future movies. This is it. This for any sequels, they should not have. Her character anymore. Oh. I'm
2: telling you, if the sequel is going to be her funeral and then them going to the depression, I might just have to pass on that.
6: Oh, man. That's... Just like bring your box <laughs> of tissues to the theater. <laughs>
2: exactly. That's going to be like, oh, man. Yeah. It's going to be hard to take.
4: If I remember correctly, Julian Fellows has said he doesn't want to cover that. Yeah. Uh, he just, just has no interest in writing that. So I uh, thought, right. Uh, but yeah. No, I, I do agree. That's. That's the farewell scene she should not be in any sequels if they go on,
1: mm-hmm. exactly. so
2: no, getting back to your characters for a second, um uh, Andy, I wanted to ask you in particular, since you're the the English historian of the group here oh, dear. um so Simon Jones, right, as King George uh-huh um, like, okay, first of all, when did Simon Jones get so friggin old that he kinda- got. <laughs> And uh, what did you think of the depiction of uh, the king and queen?
4: Uh, pretty good. I He was always a very private king, so I'm not – I don't know a whole lot about George V um, as far as, like, his personality, but he looked dead on, um, just spot on. And it meshed with what I do know about his personality. He was very formal – uh, a big believer in sort of doing this sh- sort of putting on the show that the country expects. Um they sort of hit on that and that, you know, I'm here to play a role. And so I need to play that role. And that's, it felt like that, but I, I think they did a good job with the Royals. Um Queen Mary, I, I really know nothing about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they could have been wildly wrong or perfectly right. And I just wouldn't know.
2: Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know much about them either. So, I mean, this was, I mean, maybe, I guess it's a good thing that they could use these two because, you know, yeah, not, allowed to be, <laughs> not, not sort allowed of
4: overshadowed by his grandmother. Uh, it's like,
2: well, he could have been shot. We kids. wouldn't have known.
4: Because exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was very, he was very quiet. I mean, his dad was sort of a larger than life character, Edward the caresser. And then after them, you get, you know, the George VI, the King's speech, and then Elizabeth and, and they're sort of lost in the shuffle, those two. So a bit of a blank slate for us people.
2: Yeah, I think Michelle mentioned, because she knows a lot more about the royals than I do, but she had mentioned how uh, George makes a comment about one of his sons. Like, he, yeah, because he wants, what's his name, to accompany him. And, and that's, uh, is that Edward, right?
4: Yeah, that's Edward, the one who... Uh,
2: who doesn't last very long.
4: Does not last long, <laughs> As <no>.
2: king. <laughs> yeah,
4: the one who's a big fan of Mr. Hitler.
1: So. oh yes. 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 yeah 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 oh. that could be the next movie there we that go that could be the next movie
2: <laughs> oh god
1: <laughs> there we go
2: oh god no no yeah well you know i mean they the way they make it sound is like you know like i think they said Downton could go on another hundred years right
1: mm-hmm. oh absolutely I was I was joking to Judy, you know, when they were walking away from the the house at the very end. This is where Daisy left the gas on in the uh, the (laughs) valve. No, no. The
3: uh,
2: the other thing that kind of put me off a little bit was uh, it was like all of a sudden they were like, we have a drone.
3: we oh. could use a drone
2: <laughs> to show like all these wonderful exterior shots. Um, the and, cinematography
1: was amazing in this. Movie. Oh, gorgeous! It was. It was. Yes. It
2: was uh, but every time they shot, like, is it Highclere Castle? Right? Yeah. Yes. Every time. Yes. Every time they shot Highclere Castle, um, I couldn't help but think how. Yes, it looks majestic, and yes, it's it's one of the most you know famous houses now on television, right? But it just looks empty and cold. Like there was never like a lot of people around or it just never seemed to be really active. It, it didn't feel very warm to me. Um, I don't know. That was just me. Did anybody else get that impression as well? I guess not.
1: No, <laughs> not as much. No, It was, it was actually to me, it was more spawning and, you know, so huge and vast in this. It just looked gorgeous. And you could really see this more than that you saw it on the TV. Since you had the huge screen, you saw like the surrounding areas when they were showing all the different angles of the house. You could see the lands around it and everything. And I kind of cheated. And I watched the night before the documentary they did on NBC about the movie. Mm. And when they were talking about it, they have 15,000 acres.
4: Wow. Still, oh my
1: God. Yes. And it's just, it's just amazing how much land they have. You know, if you put that in, you know, my, my Pedley house is on a half acre, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's like times at times that's probably the size of Cobb County or, you know, something like that is it's just amazing how much land these people had. And it's just, it's just awesome.
2: Um, And nobody, I I take it. Nobody here has actually visited it. No, I wish. (laughs) All right. You can stay there
4: in Airbnb now though. Really? Yes. We saw that uh, while we were in the theater waiting for it to start one of my friends saw on his phone that, yeah, you can rent it on Airbnb now. Wow. Yes. I, oh, I, I dude. haven't had the temerity to see how much that costs.
3: <laughs> yeah.
6: What's the price yeah. tag?
1: Exactly. Well, it, it would be worth it, though. You know, we'll just oh, use yeah. the Patreon money to send all of us <laughs> Sounds
6: good. We can even do a live podcast from Highclere Castle.
1: Oh, well, that would be awesome.
2: <laughs> if you're expecting it to look at the interiors to look like uh, the sets, the, then you'll be mistaken.
3: Because
1: oh, they, completely. They
2: that that right is true. That is yeah. true. All the interiors are shot in London, uh, so on sets. So, uh, but, man, that, uh, you know, that strikes me as uh, amazing, too, because that, that beautiful, like, living slash drawing room that they always go to with the uh, windows to the backyard or whatever just looks, like, just so comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it, you know, um, but yeah, I would uh, I, I would stay there. Um, and from what I understand, because of the show, it's actually in much better shape. I mean, it was falling apart before they uh, got a hold of it. The the the, uh, the TV series did. True. So there were like fifty rooms or something like that. There were the ceilings were uh, falling apart and everything like that. So um, this castle has been restored because of this show.
1: It's interesting because they've talked about it, you know, in that special they're inter- interviewing the guy who says who plays Tom and he, they were saying that he's only been on the first two floors. There's two more floors above that that he's <laughs> never even seen.
2: Oh. <laughs> I could imagine you could it would take like a, a month at least to explore that house.
1: Oh, without without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's pretty amazing.
2: So uh getting back to the movie, uh I think we've covered most of the high points and maybe even a few of the low points. Anything that uh you'd like to bring up as we're getting out of here, Ashley? I feel um, like Oh, oh A
6: near <laughs>
1: Andy Ashley, it all sounds. It's <laughs> yeah, right, close close a a enough. <laughs> it's the A, you know. Yes.
6: <laughs> Yeah. Um, just, you know what, as I was walking out of the theater, I just felt happy and that's really all I wanted from this movie. I didn't expect that we'd ever get to go to down back to Downton. So it was just nice. Um, like someone had said earlier, it just feels like a big reunion. So it was just what I wanted to be. And if, who knows if this is the last we'll see of Downton, but if it is, it was nice to get to go there one more time.
4: Andy, what were you going to say? See, I just loved the way they used the dance at the very end for the little snippets to wrap up each a little storyline. Yes. With sort of like a few words in the middle of the waltz. It was just wonderfully done.
2: Absolutely.
1: Mike? I just thought it was just... it was. A, if they ended it here, I would be happy. It's a good wrap-up. It's a good farewell. The final everything about it is it's there's no murder mystery or who did Bates kill this time (laughs) or, you know, or, you know, what is Thomas going to do, you know, this time, you know, there's nothing like that. Or, you know, what kind of illness does Carson have? What is, you know, Daisy going to do, you know, mouth off against again, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's just, It was a perfect ending. It was great. The The two sibling daughters, they actually got along this movie. You didn't have any of the rivalries that you've had over the years and everything. And it was just, it was great. And I think they wrapped up all the little storylines that they started at the beginning. But they could continue if you want to. But I thought it was a good end point.
2: Yeah, I, you know, even though I wasn't looking for a second ending... Uh, This one was special and it felt like it was justified. Um, I think anything else will be, it'll be a challenge. Not to say that uh, fellows and company aren't up for that challenge, Um, but it also felt like if they wanted to, you know, this could be the start, like almost like a prequel to Downton Abbey, the next generation.
1: I was just about to say that. Said it yeah. 40 years later. <laughs> you and I are still on the right time. And I was going to call it Downton Abbey, the next generation.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, heck, I don't... I, why stop there? Why not go to... uh You know, Downton Downton Abbey 3000. Let's go in the the far future and see what it's like. You know, we've seen Camelot 3000. Why not Downton Abbey 3000? Tell me you wouldn't watch that.
1: I would. I totally would.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, cool. We're going to give a quick rating and then get out of here on a scale of one to five stars. Um I was trying to think of something creative, but I think I'm just too tired. Um, so actually.
6: <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna give it five stars. Um, there might be little places to be picky in the movie, but I just had a wonderful time. So five stars from me.
2: Andy?
4: I have to agree, five stars. I just walked out of the movie just happy. So that one of the best movies I've seen in a while. Excellent, excellent. Mike?
1: Uh, five stars completely, and i 'll even throw in some high tea it 'll be perfect <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I hate to be the downer of the group but i 'm going to give it a four and a half. Um, I did think, like I said, the assassination plot wasn 't really necessary, and uh, a couple of the other things seemed a bit contrived also the 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 um, the stuff between Daisy and her fiance. Didn't really work for me either. Bringing in the the hunky uh, plumber or whatever. <laughs> like, I, was just, I was just like, I was just like, you know, like these are things that obviously, if they had a, a time to develop, could have been really interesting subplots. But just crammed in there, it just uh, felt like at some point they were like, oh, we have to do something with some these people. But there was so much good about this. And we haven't, I mean, we just talked about like the high points. There's so much else. And I can't wait to rewatch it again, which I will. So, um, well, very cool. Well, thanks everyone. Um, and uh, we're going to close up in a minute, but we'll be right back with the ESO Network con.
5: Welcome to a Geek Girls Take. I'm your host Angela, and this week this Geek Girl is talking about the original Dark Crystal movie. So, in preparation for watching the new Dark Crystal series on Netflix, I rewatched The Dark Crystal. It had been years since I had watched the movie, and wanted to make sure that it was fresh in my mind before starting the new series, even though the new series is a prequel. This movie is a beautiful eye fest for puppets and fantasy lovers. It follows a young golfling named Jen. Who is raised by a noble race called the Mystics. He has been told his whole life that he is the last survivor of the Gelflings, and that it is his destiny to fix the Dark Crystal and bring life back to their world. On his journey, he meets another Gelfling named Kira, who also thought she was the last of her kind. The two travel to find the missing shard of the Dark Crystal and go fix it, but they have problems along their adventure since the Crystal is guarded by the evil Skeksis, who only care about their own well-being and preserving their lives forever. This movie is beautiful, the puppets are amazing, the Skeksis are super creepy, and the story is really fun. The world is so lovely and well done in this film, and the background story was already laid in place for the new series since it's so rich in lore and just amazing. I am super excited to watch the prequel series now after rewatching this. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girls Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out.
1: For the week of September 25th, 2019, it's the ESO Network Con Report.
2: Well, before I get into where you're going to find uh, some of us in the coming weeks. Uh, I do want to give a uh, particular shout out and report of the Southern Surf Stomp Fest in Avondale Estates that I attended on september twenty first that saturday it was It was simply put amazing it was uh really fun uh I love surf music, so we had nine bands that were playing from noon till about uh ten thirty at night. Um all packed into uh this uh little area in Avondale Estates. It's right near, I mean it's within, it's within walking distance of um uh, my parents' basement. Um uh, and as a, as a matter of fact, they were having a Bazaar Bazaar uh outside uh festival thing there too, so it was kind of like a almost like a joint effort. Um And, yeah, there were a lot of vendors set up. Uh, Some were uh, people I knew, some people I did not know. So um, it was a great way to meet people and uh, see old friends and just have a good time and sit back, um, sell some stuff. Uh, Peter and I did pretty well uh, selling some stuff. And anybody who came by the table, whether you bought something or not, we really appreciate it. We appreciate your support. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like I said, the two bands I think that I, I was impressed by the most uh, were two bands that I already knew going in. And one of them is the mystery men who uh, is a local band here in Atlanta, mystery men of surf. They are just one of the best live bands uh, around. They are just so tight and so talented. They're just great. Uh, and then a band that came up from Fort Lauderdale, the intoxicators, uh, they played uh, as well. And they were, they were amazing. I've seen them before a few years ago in Fort Lauderdale and they were They were a lot of fun then. And uh, they did not disappoint. So uh, a lot of other bands, um, some I didn't know at all. And so I was uh, exposed to for the first time, like insect uh, surf, uh, insect surfer, I think it was called. Um, but they've been around. This guy's been playing surf for 40 years um so he's from california he's kind of started with the i mean he's from very familiar with the surf movement when it first began so uh we had someone come over from england uh that played uh some guitar uh so there was a lot of diversity there and a lot of fun stuff uh, a lot of people came out very hot <laughs> it was very hot uh but uh it was a lot of fun so uh i hope to do it again next year they do st- plan on having an event this is the i think the 5th Southern Surf stomp Fest that they've had um and I, they don't show any signs of stopping uh from what i understand uh from people who've been there multiple times it's just getting bigger and bigger and better so uh so i yeah i can't uh i can't thank uh chad who uh organized it um as well as there were some other volunteers and other folks uh who were very friendly um and uh that's a uh, great fun so i hope to be back next year And I hope that uh, you guys check it out, too. If you like surf music, uh, you know, even if you just want to come down for a little while and hang out, listen to some cool music and uh, and see some very, very talented artists and vendors. uh, A lot of tiki stuff, a lot of uh, Aloha shirts, a lot of surf stuff, you know, just a lot of hodgepodge of of cool stuff that uh, people were selling. uh, Great stuff. So had a good time. Thanks again, uh, everybody who came out and uh, hope to do it again next year. Um, And that was uh, last weekend. This weekend, Mike and I are both going to be at Monsterama. You've heard us talk about it several times. And uh, one of the organizers, Anthony Taylor, joined us last week to tell us a lot of detail about it. This is going to be this is going to be a fun one. Uh, It is every year. It's uh, it's a great show. A lot of great panels a lot of great guests. So um and you get to hang out and just just chill about monsters and you get to do this on the it kind of helps you prepare and get in that Halloween spirit for classic monster stuff. So uh so Mike and I will be there both days, Saturday and Sunday. So we uh hope to see you there. That is of course uh September 27th through the 30th and that is in uh is that technically Alpharetta, Mike?
1: It is Alpharetta.
2: Okay, so we will be in sunny Alpharetta. Um, And then uh, that's all for September. October 13th is the Atlanta Comic Convention. It's a one-day show that Mike and I like to go at and uh, shop around. So if you're going to be at that show, please reach out to us, and uh, we can try to arrange to meet up and say howdy. And that really is it for uh, the the next month or so. Uh, We've got some, like I said, some stuff coming up that uh, we're going to report on very, very soon and announce uh, stuff, uh, stuff that uh, that we're doing. And we're on the lookout of doing conventions. We're already getting our schedule set for 2020. So uh, the first half of 2020 always uh, already looks like it's going to be crazy in terms of there's a lot of shows that we want to participate in. But we want to hear from you guys. And if you've got a show that we should check out, or that you want us to participate in, please reach out to us because we love going to, we love participating in, and we love talking about conventions.
1: And that's gonna wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank our guests for being here. Andy, you made it through our first episode of Earth Station One. Congratulations, sir.
4: Thank you have, for having me. It's been a great
1: time. It was awesome, and I know you're already plotting Dragon Con already for next year. Any hints or anything that you uh, want to let known we could expect?
4: There's a good chance there'll be a little bit of Doctor Who. <gasps> really?
1: <laughs> I'm oh. sure. <sorry. laughs>
2: Well, you know, if we're lucky, we'll get a series, too.
1: Well, I hope no, we get the new series crossed. by then. God help us with that other podcast. We do if we don't.
3: <laughs>
1: the trial of a time lord is getting closer and closer as we speak. Ah, Okay, but thank you, sir. Don't worry about thank getting you. up or anything. Um, the duct tape is at least, you know, four or five years to come off. So it's okay. <laughs> so you're stuck with us. And Ashley, thank you so much, my love.
6: Oh, thank you. It is always a pleasure to talk movies with you guys.
1: Anything you want to shout out about or anything?
6: Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my local uh, comic book shop, Rockwood Comics. Um, I achieved a geek milestone a couple weeks ago, and I bought my first comic book.
1: Whoa! What is it? What is it? What'd you get?
6: Um, this is going to come as a real shocker to everybody, but it was a Star Wars comic.
1: No so, way! So I know,
6: I know, that's kind of um, uncharacteristic for me, but... Um,
2: <laughs> because they don't make a Downton Abbey comic.
6: That's, I wish they would, I would buy that <laughs> if I did. But um, <laughs> I'd read like a compilation of comics from the library in the past, and read some graphic novels, but I hadn't ever gone to this comic book store to buy a comic, so... Um, They have some new ones that are going to be tying into episode nine. And so I went and it was a great experience. They were so helpful. I bought two comics and I liked them so much. I went back and bought five more. So,
1: whoa.
6: One, I, best, one, best, one think, of us. One of us. I think, unfortunately, best. I've started a new hobby, so my, my budget isn't happy, but <laughs> I am <laughs> glad to finally kind of get into this area that I haven't delved in too much as a geek.
1: So. Ashley, there's a great one I want you to pick up. It's a trade paperback. You probably can get it from the library. It's called Tag and Bink. It's a Star Wars. It's a Star Wars tale, but it's basically guys who um, were in from all the way from episode one, all the way through the end of return of the Jedi.
2: Oh, that sounds pretty cool.
1: But they're seeing it from an outsider's point of view.
2: They're in the background.
1: Yeah. They're the background guys. Oh yeah. And you, you see it and they go, that's how they got there. Oh, that makes (laughs) sense.
6: (laughs) Oh, that sounds fun.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. You're going to love it. So check it out. I definitely would recommend it. Mr. Mike, thank you very much, my friend.
2: And as always, it's my pleasure.
1: Anything you want to shout out about, sir?
2: Yeah, I got to give a shout out to um, one of our fellow podcasts, uh, Raging Bullets, a DC Comics fan podcast, is now back on the air. Uh, they had quite a few months where they had a a, few, a little bit of setback. Uh, uh good buddy, Jim Zegulin, had some health issues that needed to get resolved. But uh, he is recovering, and he is strong, and they are recording again. And it's good to hear both those guys because, uh, yeah, I didn't realize exactly how much I'd missed them until they were gone. So um, And uh, yes, they are making up for lost time by recording like four-hour episodes. So, um, so yeah, Raging Bullets is back, baby.
1: That is awesome. Sean has been on our podcast quite a few times. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, so we cool. can't
2: get uh, Jim to, to brave up to the geek seat. But one of these days.
1: Yeah. Someday we'll just grab him, you know, sneak up to Ohio or something. When,
2: when he's fully recovered, we have to wait until, you know, he's fully recovered from uh, what ails him right now. But still, uh, you know, one of these days, Jim.
1: Wow, you're being nice, Mike. You know we didn't give you know Andy that kind of choice. (laughs) Could have had the flu or something, you know. (laughs) I got to give a big shout out actually before we get out of here to our friends over at our favorite comic shop over in Tucker, Georgia. You know which one I'm talking about, right, Mikey? I do. Yes, our friends over in Tucker, they got you ready for this they got infinite realities got the best comic shop in Atlanta, 2019 voted by the folks Ooh, of creative Ball. loafing. So woo-hoo, for a brand new comic shop, that is just amazing. And Jamie and crew, if you ever get in Tucker, you know, please stop by. It's a great, great shop. And the customer service is awesome. The selection is growing and it's just, a great shop for gaming, for comics, for gra- graphic novels. It is awesome. It is really awesome.
2: And I dare say in a couple of months there, will, we will be giving you a big reason to stop on by that store.
1: Oh yes. I can almost say it could be something monumental coming your way. It's pretty awesome actually. So it's cool. And you know, we got a lot to be thankful for all our friends, all our listeners. Thank you everyone. Of course, for listening. But before we get out, we will be back again next week. That's right, folks. We're going to be talking about something not so serious. Maybe you could Put say. But very British. Very British. Or you could say something completely different. So we are looking at the 50th anniversary of Monty Python's flying circus. It should be a lot of fun. So until then, my name is Mike Faber. We will see you here next time on. Your Station One podcast. Peace out. And we're done. Boom. <laughs> so that's it. We made it, folks.
4: Yeah.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network.